Hi, this is Joel Knox from the Vineyard Church of Brenham. I want to thank you for dropping by and listening to our podcast. You know, it's a free podcast, and it always will be. But if you'd like to help us out, you can go to our website, vineyardbrenham.org, and click on our donations page. We'd appreciate it very much. So thanks again for stopping by, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Let's see, Job is back there getting ready to tee up something. The first thing I remember knowing was a lonesome whistle blowing and a youngin's dream of growing up to ride. On a freight train leaving town, not knowing where I'm bound, and no one could change my mind but Mama tried. One and only rebel child From a family meek and mild My mama seemed to know what lay in store It's okay Despite all my Sunday learning Towards the bad I kept on turning you Gotta sing the chorus together couldn't hold me anymore I turned, I turned 21 in prison Doing life without parole no one could steer me right, but Mama tried, Mama tried, Mama tried to raise me better, but her pleading I denied, that leaves only me to blame, cause Mama tried. This is some cool picking, so you gotta let that play. Dear old daddy, rest his soul, right there. left my mama heavy. Thank you guys. Well, if you didn't know that song, that's the quintessential Merle Haggard song. It's a cornerstone to his career. It's called Mama Tried. Happy Mother's Day to all you mothers. Yeah, we tried. That's right. It's right. You know what we're talking about. You hear that song. It was recorded on May the 9th, 1968, and released in July that year as the first single off his album with the same name, Mama Tried. It made the Grammy Hall of Fame in 1999 and was selected for, for preservation in the National Recording Registry for its cultural, historic, and artistic significance on March the 23rd, 2016. Two weeks before old Merle died. Now in the song, the hag focused on the pain and suffering that he caused his own mother by being incarcerated in San Quentin in 1957. Now while Merle did spend some time in prison, the song is not literally autobiographical. Notice he said he did life without parole. Well... His, his crimes were, were a little bit less in nature, and he got out not long after he was, he was in, incarcerated. But the song is still very heavily influenced in, in the way that, that Merle Haggard lived when he was a young man. Now, contrary to, the, to public belief, the idea of Mother's Day didn't start with Hallmark. The earliest tributes to mothers can be traced all the way back to the ancient Greeks who held a spring festival that was dedicated to the goddess Rhea, the mother of many deities. 
Now, there was another goddess, the goddess Sibyl. She was known as the Great Mother, and she was worshipped by the, the Romans and throughout the regions of Asia, Asia Minor. Then later, during the formation of the, of the Catholic Church, the church in Rome, they had their own festival that they celebrated during the fourth week of Lent, and it was in honor of Mary, the mother of Jesus. Now, here in the United States, Mother's Day actually began about 150 years ago. And it was the result of the efforts of a, a young, young woman by the name of, of Anna Jarvis. She is from West Virginia. She organized a work day to help raise awareness of poor health conditions of people who lived in the Appalachian Mountains. She called it Mother's Work Day. Well, in 1905, Anna passed away. And so her daughter, who was also named Anna, began a campaign to memorialize her mother and all the efforts and all the, all the strides that were made through her efforts through the, the Mother's Work Day. She lobbied local businesses and businessmen, along with politicians, including Presidents Taft and Roosevelt, to support their, her efforts. In 1908, at her church in West Virginia, Anna handed out her mother's favorite flower, a white carnation. Five years later, the House of Representatives adopted a resolution calling for officials of the federal government to wear white carnations on Mother's Day. And then in 1914, President Woodrow Wilson signed a bill into law that made Mother's Day a national holiday. Now, if there's anything true in this world, I think the truest thing we could say is there's nothing quite like a mother's love. Wouldn't you agree? There's some things only mama can love. Now, we've tried to describe this love in a lot of different ways. And now and again, we get kind of close. And if, if, whether you're a, a, a biological mother, a stepmom, an adoptive mom, a godmother, or a mother figure, or anything else in between, we're celebrating you today. So I want to make sure we get that clear. We're celebrating moms, mothers. Our 16th president, Abraham Lincoln, said this about his mother. I remember my mother's prayers and they have always followed me. They have clung to me all my life and all that I am or all that I hope to be, I owe to my angel mother. The French poet Victor Hugo said of mothers and motherhood, a mother's arms are made of tenderness, and children sleep soundly in them. American psychologist Eric Fromm spoke highly of motherhood, and he said, Mother's love is peace. It need not be acquired, and it need not be deserved. And one of my favorite quotes about motherhood, I guess of all time, comes from the American writer Mark Twain. My mother had a great deal of trouble with me, but I think she enjoyed it. <laughs> now, if, we, if we're honest this morning, I think we are, we've all been kind of hard on, on our mothers. From the time that we were conceived, our mother 
had to decide whether she was going to take care of herself or take care of her baby. Right? So that means prenatal vitamins, sometimes having to curtail some, some activities so she doesn't get too worn out. You know, she's got, whenever, it, whether it's, it's a, a pregnancy of one or, or multiple, you're not just eating for yourself, you're eating for the unborn child, right? I'm, I'm talking to moms, I, I don't know about this myself, so, so you're going to have to help me here. But it's an extreme physical sacrifice. Come on, ladies. It's an extreme physical sacrifice a mother makes to bring a new life into this world. Now, even with the advances that have been made in childbirth, it's still a very hard thing. And that doesn't even address the emotional concerns that you mothers have. Now, we know about feeding and cleaning and bathing and clothing and raising and nurturing and training and discipline as part of being mothers. We come to certain points in the process of raising our children and we think, hey, we're doing pretty good. We've made it this far. Everything, I, I, I think we've got this thing down. Has anybody ever felt that way before? <laughs> There's so much more to do. Every new phase of life for a child comes with new challenges. And guess who's there? Mom. She's there for preschool, the first day of kindergarten, grade school, middle school, high school, or if you homeschool, everything that's associated with that. And we've experienced the next phase that involves college. And looking toward grad school and, and life in the workaday world. As our children grow, the physical toll shifts. It's not so much the physical anymore, it's more of the emotional. Because they may not be right there with you, but you're still concerned about them all the time. And for those of you that have ever been a single mom, if you're a single mom today, you know full well, you do all this by yourself. And the truth is, you do it because you know if you don't do it, nobody else is going to. And so you step up, and sometimes you just do it forever, it seems. And no one's there to say, you know, you're doing a great job. Thank you for being such a good mom. Doesn't really happen all the time, does it? And you know, the, the, the ones that you're raising, sometimes they don't really even know to thank you yet, right? I mean, they're learning and you know, you might treat them, teach them the, the manners and how to say thank you and please and all that kind of stuff. But sometimes they haven't gotten to the place yet where they really understand it. And so it's still a thankless job. Now in the Old Testament, there's a familiar story about a lady who desperately wanted to be a mother. Her name was Hannah. So this morning, we're going to read about Hannah in 1 Samuel chapter 1. And I'm reading from the New Century version. It's, I think it's on a third grade reading level. It's just perfect for me. <laughs> there was a man named Elkanah, the son of Jeho Jehoam from... Ramathium, they didn't change the names too badly, um, in the mountains of Ephraim. Elkanah was from the family of Zuf, 
Zeroam was Elihu's son. Elihu was Tohu's son. And Tohu was the son of Zuf from the family of Ephraim. You got all that? <laughs> Elkanah had two wives named Hannah and Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had none. Every year, Elkanah left his town of Ramah and went up to Shiloh to worship the Lord, all-powerful, and to offer sacrifices to him. Shiloh was where Hophni and Phinehas, the sons of Eli, served as the priests of the Lord. And when Elkanah offered sacrifices, he always gave a share of meat to his wife Penina and to her sons and daughters. But Elkanah always gave a special share of the meat to Hannah because he loved Hannah and because the Lord had kept her from having children. Penina would tease Hannah and upset her because the Lord had made her unable to have children. And this happened every year that they went up to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. Penina would upset Hannah until Hannah would cry and had nothing to eat or had not eaten anything. Her husband Elkanah would, would say to her, Hannah, why are you crying and why won't you eat? Why are you sad? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? <laughs> Once after they had eaten their meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on a chair near the entrance of the Lord's house. Hannah was so sad that she cried and prayed to the Lord, and she made a promise saying, Lord all-powerful, see how I am sad. Remember me and do not forget me. If you will give me a son, I will give him back to you all his life. And no one will ever cut his hair with a razor. And that was significant for religious reasons. While Hannah kept praying, Eli, standing by, being the good priest he was, watched her mouth. She was praying in her heart, so her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, Stop getting drunk! Throw away your wine! And Hannah answered, No, sir, I've not had uh, drunk any wine or beer. I'm deeply troubled. I'm a deeply troubled woman. And I was telling the Lord about my problems. Don't think I am an evil woman. I have been praying because I have many troubles, and I am very sad. Eli answered, Go! I wish you well. May the God of Israel give you what you have asked of him. And Hannah said, May I always please you. And she left and ate something, and she was not sad anymore. Early the next morning, Elkanah's family got up and worshipped the Lord, and they went back home to Ramah. Elkanah had sexual relations with his wife Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. So Hannah became pregnant, and in the time she gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, His name is Samuel, because I asked the Lord for him. Now, in the ancient Middle East, a woman was, was subject to scorn, ridicule, and shame if she could not have a child. And in that society, a woman who couldn't have a child was really no better than, than a cow or a goat or, or any other farm animal that could not bear young. That was, that was the way they valued women in those days. Fortunately for Hannah, she had a husband who loved her and valued her as his spouse. 
Still, Hannah was so desperate to be a mother that she was willing to give him to the Lord. That the Lord could use him in any way that, that he saw fit. You know, this is where we get our, our baby dedication and, and the christening services from, right? Hannah was willing to give her, her child over to the Lord and dedicated him to the Lord all the days of his life. I think that's a neat tradition that we have picked up from, from that story. But can I just interject here? If, if some of you are, are, are desperate to have children, I hope that you don't make a promise to the Lord to bring them to this church and give them to us, like to me or Villard, to, to raise. Because um, we can pray for you to have children, but you, we'll, we'll teach you how to raise them. Just don't bring them here, okay? Just kidding. But if you know the rest of the story, it was her willingness to give the child to the Lord that ultimately led to a spiritual renewal for the nation of Israel. Hannah was as supportive as she could be. If you read the rest of the story, she she made little, little outfits for Samuel to wear. And he was just a baby. And he was dressed up like a little priest. And he did all the little work around in the, in the, in the temple and he, he cleaned up and he did everything that Eli and I guess his, his sons told him to do. You know, so he was kind of little, the little errand boy, but he was learning from the priests about all the traditions and the customs and everything that he needed to learn in order to be a priest. I think that's kind of fascinating. Now... When Hannah had Samuel, she had no idea that he would actually lead a revolution that would completely change the landscape of spirituality for the nation of Israel. Her baby Samuel was just her son. His ministry changed the spiritual direction of an entire country. And it all happened because she wanted to be a mom. She wasn't looking for, to, to have a baby and, and show him off and, you know, and, and try to, try to get, get some kind of approval from anyone. She just wanted to be a mom. Now, God honored her vow and it, it was used to release more blessing in her community than she could have ever imagined. And I love this story for a lot of, a lot of reasons. And I see similarity with Hannah and Samuel and I see that with my own life. Hopefully by now you've had an opportunity to meet my mom. I wasn't expecting her to be sitting so close to me this morning. And it's, it's kind, of, kind of intimidating in a sense because, you know, it, it got to stay in line because mom's right there. But I'm so glad she's been able to be with us. You know, the, the last several years have been, they've been kind of tumultuous for her. And, you know, we moved her from from where I grew up in, in Malakoff to Conroe, and then she's moved around, and you know she's finally here with us in Brenham, and I'm so glad that she's able to go to church with us. But, but this little lady is responsible for why I'm standing here today. I was born when my mom was 39 years of age, and I've, I heard this story from, from Brother Cook, so um, if I didn't get the details right, it's because he didn't tell the story right, so... <laughs> But a couple of preachers arranged for her to meet my dad, who was a widower 
with two teenage children at a camp meeting in Payne Springs, Texas, which is not too far from where I grew up. She'd never been married. And mom was at the camp meeting to sing before her pastor preached. He was the, the speaker for the revival for the, for the camp meeting. They met, hit it off, and got married within a few months. And then I came along, you know, nine months later. Now, several, several years ago, mom and I were talking about the circumstances surrounding our, my, my birth. And this was the late 60s. And in those days, it was, it, it, people were concerned about, about older mothers having children because of the possibility of birth defects. Now, if you, ever, if you think there's anything wrong with me, it might have come out of that. But, but I, as, as far as I know, I, when I was born, I was fully healthy. So I'm just, just going to just, just add that. <laughs> yeah, I was big, she said. When I was born, she gave me the name Joel. And now that I think about it, I don't know if she really knew what the name meant, but it, it is a biblical name. It's from the 29th book in your Bible. If you go through your, your Bible there, um, it's the book of Joel. And it's part of the 12 group of prophetic books known as the Minor Prophets. It's a Hebrew name that means Jehovah is the Lord which is a pretty good name if you want to be a prophet. I asked her once, what were you and dad thinking whenever y'all decided that you wanted to have me? She, again, she was 39 years old and dad was 47. I'm 48 today and I just cannot imagine having a newborn child. Yeah, she said dad was tickled, so I, I you know, go figure. Well, she told me that she wanted to have a child that she could raise to live for the Lord. And I've kind of always known that. It's kind of an instinct, but not too long ago, I shared what the Lord spoke to me at, at, a, at a, a conference that we attended in regard to the significance of, of my name, the, the fact that Jehovah is the Lord. And, and uh, mom gave me that name, and, and it, it, it makes a lot of sense to me. Now, in the book of Proverbs, the wise man says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. I believe that to be true. When I was growing up, I was always in church. You know, you've heard about the kids that have a drug problem. I was always drugged to church. Church is what I remember most about growing up. We went to church all the time, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Mom was the pianist at church, so anytime a pianist was needed, she was there, and I was usually right on the front row. And then I went to women's ministry meetings, revival meetings, you name it. Lots of times there, I was asleep on the pew. And I remember lots of times whenever I started, I found out I could sing, and so I, I got to sp sing specials. And we, we, we met a kid several years ago. Well, it wasn't that long ago, but his name was the psalmist something or other. Little, little kid. He was, you know, he would sing. He was really good. And, uh, and so I, got, I started getting teased in Conroe because they're like, Joel, that was you when you were like five or six, right? But yeah, they'd trot me up on the, on the stage, I'd get a microphone, I would sing, and then, you know, sometimes I was asleep on the pew, and I'd just wake up in time to go sing, and then go right back and lay down. 
But, you know, I, as I got older, I started playing instruments. I used to play a tambourine on the, on the stage, and then I played my trumpet, and then I played the drums. You know, I was involved in everything. I, I helped take up an offering. I really liked the part whenever I got to clean up after communion. That was really awesome. Because you get all, the, all the, the crackers and all the, the, the juice cups together. That was great. Now, every day before I, I left for school, Mom read a devotional. It was called God's Word for the Day. And we prayed. And some mornings I'd pray for myself. And other days I'd just let her do it because I was half asleep. And at one point, and I, this was early on, because I mean, this was from kindergarten really all the way through high school. But one morning I asked her, Mom, why do we do this? She said, well, you probably go to school with, with, parent, that, with children that their parents don't do this with them. So I want to make sure that you're covered in prayer. And sometimes we'd even pray for those kids that, that we didn't even know that might not be covered in, in prayer by their parents. And when I got older, I started spreading my wings a bit and testing the boundaries of my faith. Started doing the things that the other kids did, you know, and tried to be like them where I could fit in. Mom knew what was going on. And moms have that sense when their kids are going astray. Comes with the territory. Two particular times I'm going to tell on myself, but if she, mom might have already told you these stories already, so um, if she did, I'm just repeating it. But, um, but this was when I was in high school, and I was, I was kind of getting out and, and running around with different groups of people. I have a friend from high school. His name is Carl Tapley. And Carl always had these great ideas, and it was, it was one of those things. I knew whenever I, I went someplace, my dad told me, if you go someplace, you go there and you stay there. If you go somewhere else, you need to call and let me know where you're going next. He meant that. But I didn't think he meant it. Well, dad would go to sleep at night. Mom would stay up until I got home. This one particular night, we went to Athens. That was the, the, the next bigger town. You know, it, Athens is about the same size as Brenham, so you know I'd probably be coming from like Burton to to Brenham. You know, so you get the idea. Anyhow, there was this place in in Athens, and, and it's still there as far as I know, Mazio's Pizza, and that was the that was the hangout for everybody. Well, I'm in high school, my senior year, you know, starting to kind of spread out and stuff. Well, Carl knew girls from the community college. Carl always knew girls, and it was, that's why I hung around with Carl, because he was always meeting these girls, and you know, I could just kind of hang around with him and maybe meet somebody. So, so he got this idea, hey, let's go over to the dorm and hang out over there and see what's going on. And, you know, and so we were getting ready, and then and it just so happened we ran into a couple of guys that we'd gone to high school with. They were actually in school at the community college, so it was, it was perfect. So... I drove my car to Mazio's and I left it in the parking lot. Now remember, I told my parents, I'm going to Mazio's. Well, it started getting later. 
I didn't have my own car, and I was kind of dependent on, on Carl to get me back. Actually, it was Carl's friends that were going to get me back. And so it's getting later. I see what time it is, and I know what time I'm supposed to be home, and it's just getting later and later, and you know, we're having a good time. Don't really want to, want to end it, you know, and don't want to be the deadbeat that, that oh, I've got to go, go home now. So, so anyway, we're, we're there, and it's getting later and getting later and getting later, and I'm getting nervous, and I'm, I'm getting concerned. I'm not sure exactly what's going to happen. And so finally, we load up in the car and we go back to Mazio's. There were two cars in the, the parking lot at Mazio's. One was mine, the other one was my mother's. When we pulled into the parking lot, Carl was sitting in the front seat and he rolls around and he's like, Joel, your mom is waiting for you. And I didn't, I can't repeat what I told him, but. I, I, was, I, I was scared out of my mind. I was, I was, I was embarrassed too. And so they, they dropped me off. And of course, the, the college guys are just laughing, you know, like, ha <laughs> ha. And so anyway, I got out of the car. I didn't say a word. I jumped in the car and I, I, I drove home and I, I, I drove fast because I, I just didn't want to have to face my mom. Well, I got home and, and, and she, she asked me, where'd you go? So, well, we went over to to. The community college said, okay, what was the rule? If you go somewhere else, you let us know, right? Yeah, yeah, I won't do that again. Well, several months later, I was still doing the stuff that I, wasn't, I knew I wasn't supposed to do. And I went to another party, and it was one of those where everybody that was underage was, was drinking, and there was a lot of drinking going on. And... Uh, I I drank that night and and I, I was I was halfway expecting somebody to maybe take me home, and whenever it got time to leave, nobody wanted to take me. I, I was I was a long way from about twenty miles from where I lived, so I got in the car and I, I was trying to be as safe as I could and I and I I drove all the way home, and 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 to this day I don't I honestly don't remember what happened when I left the subdivision. And whenever I turned onto my street, and I honestly believe that it was, it was God in His grace that got me from point A to point B without anything happening. But I pulled up in the driveway, and Mom's car was gone. Now, I, I, I looked in the house, and, 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 a, and I, I, I wasn't sure if Dad might have been out with Mom. Turns out that he was asleep. And if, if he had been awake, it would have been a completely different story. But... Mom was out, she, and, and I, I just sat on the porch, and I was waiting for Mom to come home. And uh, I sat there on the porch, and uh, she, she came up, and, and she asked where I'd been, and, and I, I told her a little bit, and I'm sure I smelled like a liquor store. And, uh, and she didn't say a whole lot. We went on in the house. Well, a few months later, whenever I got ready to leave for college, we, were, we sat up all night. It was the night before we left. And so we, we were talking, and I'd kind of had a, had a little bit of a, of, of, I'd given my heart back to the Lord, and, and, you know, I was trying to straighten myself out. And so we were, we were talking, and, and uh, at one point I, I just asked her, said, Mom, you remember whenever I came home late that night, and, you know, and, and uh, what, you were gone longer than I was, where, where were you? And she said, well, I, I, I was out driving, and I was praying that you'd get home safely because I knew you were in trouble. And 
And I have to tell you that that was the one thing that grabbed me. It was like, you know, I don't want to ever do that to my mama ever again. A few months later, while I was in college, you know, and this, and I, I was actually living right. And uh, we were out late. You know, of course, that's what you do in college. You stay out late and you have a good time. Well, we were, were running around and, and, uh, and it, it's, it's a long story, but, but there was, there, there was an, an incident and we almost were, were broadsided by another driver. And I honestly don't know what happened, but it was, it was like this car was coming and somehow it stopped and it, it, there was no way that car should have stopped. We drove on back to campus. Everybody was kind of shook up. It was like, man, we, we, we don't ever want to go to that particular place ever again. And the next morning, as I was getting ready to go to... I actually went to church when I was in, in, in college. And uh, I was getting ready. And this is back in the days of pay phones. And I get, a, get a, a knock on the door and like, hey, Joel, your mom's on the phone. You know, I'm trying to get ready for church. So I go down the hall and I answer the phone. Mom asked me, what, what were you doing last night? And I told her, I said, well, we were out, we were a bunch of friends, and, and she said, did something happen? And I, I'd completely forgotten about it, and it was like, wait a minute, we, we almost got hit, and somehow we, were, we, we weren't. She said, well, I, I, I just woke up in the middle of the night, and I started praying, and I felt like you are in trouble. And that's the kind of thing that, that moms do. It's just maybe a built-in intuition Maybe it's just something that you just have a connection with God and, and he, he allows you to just, just to feel the things that are going on with your kids. That's, just, that's something that moms have just by nature. Now, I'm not going to say that my mom's, a, mom's perfect, that she's a saint. Now, then again, she might deserve sainthood or whatever the, the, the process might be for sainthood for, for raising me, you know, but... Um, I'm sure there were times that she, she probably would have, would have killed me if, if she had thought more about it. But, but as sure as I stand before you this morning, I stand here because of her. Now this morning, if you're a, a mom, I want to just say, you're awesome. You are. You're doing the most exhausting, difficult, thankless job the world has ever known. And thanks to the things that are going on in the world, it's only going to get harder. But let me tell you, it's worth it. God sees every tear, hears every prayer, everything, every effort that you spend on your kids, God sees all that. And He takes note of it. And when things get hard, you're going to, want, going to want to back off and maybe retreat from a few things in your life. Don't let it be in the areas of faith and in church. If you feel like you're overwhelmed, if you feel like that you're in a place that, you know, I, I've, I, I'm, I'm just overloaded. I've got, to, I've got to back off somewhere. Don't let it be in church. Don't let it be in the areas of faith. Your kids need what church has to offer. And let me say this. We as a church need to commit ourselves to our children's ministry in a, in a fresh new way. We're, we're seeing the things, the changes that are going on. We need help. 
We need people to be involved, whether you're a mom, whether you're a, a dad, whether you're a, a grandmother, a granddad, whether you're just somebody that's just available and like to help out. We need help. We need people who will feed into the lives of these kids. We need to be a place where kids receive instruction and parents get support to raise godly kids in this secular culture. They're not going to get it anywhere else. We've all got a responsibility to train up children in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. Now, if you're a mom and you've got older children, don't ever stop praying for them. I knew a guy back right after Danelle and I had gotten married. And his, his mother and dad were in ministry. And he had went through a pretty hard time. And, and he was going through a divorce whenever I knew him. And, you know, sometimes I feel like the only reason I had a job was because he needed somebody to ride along and talk about all of his troubles with in the truck. I got the name Easy Money because, you know, the boss would call me and that's, that's all, it, that would be it. You know, I'm, I'm in the process of carrying a bunch of, a, a bunch of studs, you know, coming over to, you know, we're in construction, you know, and then I set them down like, Joel, I need you in the truck. Okay, see you, Easy Money. But... But it, that, it was a job. I got paid well for it. And, and th this guy, he, he, I, I'd sit in the truck with him. He'd cry. and he would, he would, I'd hear him talk to his wife on the phone. This was in the day when cell phones were like this big. And, uh, and he, he would talk to his wife just, just endless in, in, in the, the truck. And then, you know, and then I, I, I'm kind of listening to the conversation. Like, I, I don't know if I really want to be part of this. But then he would talk to me. Well, one particular day, he was feeling really bad. And he said, you know, since my mama died, I miss her prayers. I know my mama prayed for me. And I, 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 something's missing. And I believe it's my mama's prayers. Now, there, there may be a theological thing behind that, but I, I, it, 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 it struck me whenever I heard it. And I know that my mom prays for, for me and my family. She doesn't just pray for us, though. She's, I've seen her prayer list. And God hears the prayers that we pray. Don't ever forget that. And God answers those prayers in time. You might want to be a mama who prays for your kids, but you failed whenever you were younger. Guess what? You can start right now, and you can start praying for your kids. You can start encouraging them to get involved in church. You can start communicating with them and sharing with them what God's doing in your life because it's going to make a difference. Cover your children and your grandchildren in prayer. I believe God hears our prayers and through our prayers and our example, we can win our children over to Jesus. And the rest of us, I think we fall in the category of children and like it or not, you're always your parents' kids. The fifth commandment that God gave Moses said, Honor your father and your mother so that you might have a long and prosperous life. Can I just say that the lives we live, both as children and adults, will ultimately honor or dishonor our parents? I know this passage is about how we treat them in this life, but I think that how we live is another opportunity we have to honor our parents, our mothers in particular. If your mother raised you to live for Jesus, nothing would please her more to know that you want to be His disciple as an adult. 
and that you want to raise your children to follow after Him. So don't dismiss your mom as a fanatic. She may may well be the one who is responsible for turning your heart back to Jesus. Can we stand this morning? Thank you all for being with with us. Yeah, I'm sweating. I appreciate you all being here and, and, and bearing with the heat. And we're, we're going to go here in just a second, but I, I want to I make sure that we pray before we leave. And there's, there's really just a couple of things that, that I want to do. First, I want to just say a prayer of blessing for our moms. And if you're here and you want to be a mom, we want to bless you as well. But I also want to pray for those that are, that are moms and, and you're, you might be struggling with the responsibilities of motherhood. Maybe you're here this morning and you're, you're missing your mother. I'm so glad my mom's here with me today. But I know that there's, there's some here that, that you're missing your mother. The Lord wants to minister to that. He wants to minister to your heart. So I'm, I'm going to say a prayer of dismissal. But I, I want to invite you to come up for ministry. And I want to pray a special blessing over, over our moms before we go. So, Father, we thank you, we praise you for the gift that you've given us in our moms. Thank you for blessing us with moms. And Lord, I ask that this morning that they would sense your your love and your appreciation. Lord, that you that you shower them with blessing because they do a job that's so needed. They are someone that is so needed in our lives. And God, I ask that you would bless them and bless their homes, bless their families. Lord, that that they would get to see you bless their children and grandchildren through the stuff that they do. Every day, Lord. And Lord, I ask that as we go this morning, that you would bless moms, that today would be a wonderful day in you, that they would sense your your pleasure in everything, in every interaction with their family and with their friends, Lord, that they would sense, sense your pleasure, you are pleased with them and what they do. And Lord, we ask that you go with us now, that your hand would be on us, and that you would bless us in the name of Jesus.